الله يكسر البوجوازية فلوس هون جاء هون بالتصويت يا مستيك ار مسكرين سوفي مستيك يونغ ايب اولد تريكس رايزن باكاليبس نيو ليبرال غفرمنتس دل سب اوتيرنيتيز اوليين دريدز لد بيرز لد باي ذا فيدز Chasing down all the tans in the streets American the father throwing rocks at Anaheim police Sending the drones least Min Asina Hamra 1984 huh? Yeah, they will pro ya Hello and welcome to On Resistance Radio Collective I am X and today uh, we will be introducing our kind of five-week series that we have planned for J-Ray. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to be doing a five-week series. Thanks for tuning in. Um, I think January to February, uh, roughly, it's going to be themed The War on the Poor with various different topics from housing, work, to hierarchy and revolt. Um, I think we're really excited about that. As every show usually involves our statement of political autonomy, I'm going to be reading it. We are a partyless, leaderless, brandless, anti-capitalist radio collective. We are politically autonomous. We do not represent anyone but ourselves and are not affiliated or in allegiance to any established organization or group. We encourage a culture of participation and dissent and welcome constructive criticism and feedback. We are a closed group collective, which means we ask that any and all requests for participation or knowledge of our internal processes be sent to onresistanceradio at gmail.com. So today's show is an interesting one. The topic is about American fascism. We're going to start with introducing our participants in the show today, as well as their brief description or definition of fascism. Okay, how's it going? I'm Esho. You can call me E. I guess for me, um, I'm still trying to understand fascism, what it means, uh, what it looks like in real life, day to day. And I'm going to like elaborate more maybe as things pop up to me about fascism. Oh, one more thing I wanted to say. Is this fascism? I think was also the question is like, is it or is it not fascism in America? So uh, just wanted to state that. Yeah, I think when the topic of fascism comes up to me, it's interesting because we have such a conventional idea of what fascism looks like as we've been taught it historically. So I'm interested in like, yeah, having more dialogue, reinterpreting what fascism means in our current reality and separating it from Nazism, which is how we've come to really learn it and distance ourselves from it, even though, you know, the United States was founded, I think, by fascist power, by colonizing the indigenous um, so there's, you know, there's a lot to be said about reinterpreting fascism for ourselves. Thanks, Jessica. I'm Anthony, and I didn't have a definition of fascism when I walked in, so I pulled up this handy fascism checklist on Tumblr. It says, check all that apply. Powerful continuing nationalism, identifying enemies, scapegoats as a unifying cause, rampant sexism, obsession with national security, corporate power is protected, disdain for intellectuals and the arts, rampant cronyism and corruption, disdain for recognizing human rights, supremacy of the military, controlled mass media, religion and government are intertwined, labor power is suppressed, obsession with crime and punishment, and fraudulent elections. 
Score 14 out of 14. Your country has become the equivalent of Mussolini's Italy, Franco's Spain, Suharto's Indonesia, Pinochet's Chile, and yes, even Hitler's Germany. Buckle up. So that's what I just looked up. <laughs> Is America fascist? <laughs> So buckle up, LA. <laughs> Get ready for fascism. Um, my name is Candace, and yeah, I think we are currently living under fascism. I feel like we have always been living under fascism, and I think that if you just experience, you know, existing like throughout Los Angeles, like you see the police state and you see how they police and the militarization of it, especially in Black communities, you see that yes, we are living under a fascist government. Yeah, I guess I'll weigh in before asking questions about fascism. Yeah, I would say that there's a lot of interesting kind of definitions that, like Jay Ray was saying, that are very uh, conventional ideas of what fascism is, very restricted and confined to like a certain state of like Nazism or like just kind of this like overt people being in prison, people dying, genocide, which we've seen that since the inception of this country. We've seen, you know, people thrown into internment camps or preservation camps by people who had power, by people that were creating the laws, that were creating the businesses, the corporations. So people talk about crypto-fascism, like it's currently our current state is cryptic. It's a crypto-fascism, and it's not... And an overt one, but I would disagree. It is. It is very overt to some people that are that are black people, that are Native American, that are uh, Japanese people. You know, you can't just have like intervals of of fascism. I think once it's been fascism, it's always fascism. But okay, first question I want to present to our group is: What are some of your local examples of fascism? locally, like on a microcosm. Yeah, this is Anthony. For me, fascism is expressed in our American society, but also specifically to L.A. with metro tickets. The metro, which is pretty much a corporation. I mean, it's it's run by the city, but it's also like a corporate thing, and it has corporate sponsors, and that's how it works. They make most of their money, if not, I would say, all of their money from metro tickets, like fare evasion tickets that they give to people rather than from the money that you actually pay to participate in the metro. So the metro is actually benefiting from criminalization of black and brown youth. Uh, I think that's one way that fascism is expressed like in modern times. Yeah, I would say that when it comes to, well, corporations, any sort of colonial kind of organized society has, has its roots in colonialism. And since the inception of corporations corporations tended to um, fund this kind of colonization and became very pervasive, very r- widespread. People really relied on some of these uh, products and created like this kind of truth, this hegemony around what these corporations were either selling and that became in collusion with state power. Business kind of like colluded with state power. And that's Mussolini's like definition of Fascism is the merger of corporation and state, which is still, you know, very conventional idea of what or definition of what fascism is. However, I mean, it's displayed. We're literally paying for our own oppression when it comes to taxes and like 
the taxes that we pay to support the police or the state apparatus is um, immensely oppressing a lot of people. Jere? I feel like there's a lot of local initiatives like um, restrictions on association, uh, restrictions on shared housing, restrictions on feeding people in public, which is something that's recently gotten a lot of criticism, uh, restrictions on even like bicycle licensing. And these are all things that target poor communities. But they do so in this way that blames the people who suffer under these laws. So it's like, we need to restrict and regulate the homeless because they are peeing on the street. When there are no restrooms made available to them, and if you don't have money, you can't pee with dignity in a bathroom. It's just everything is criminalized. So I think under fascism, you see this shift in policy that benefits corporations and people with capital and people with money, while not just criminalizing, but blaming the poor people who suffer under these policies. And I think that in this country, it's pretty taken for granted and accepted that there's a lot of resource scarcity and a lot of it is like blamed on immigrants or undocumented people or poor black and brown communities for like taking up all the resources when in reality like imperialist wars are taking up all the resources and we kind of have this mentality of blaming the victim when also these imperialist wars that actually create policies that dramatically change other countries' economies and then end up pushing a bunch of people from other countries to this country. So the United States policies overseas actually create immigration. And then when people get here, they're punished for it. And so there's this action in Adelanto, California, where um, we were protesting ICE, but ICE was actually facilitated by a private corporation. So this is an example, I think, of overt fascism, where it's rounding people up and justifying the blame on them, but it's also using a private corporation that's privately profiting to do the state's business. Mm. So Adelanto, California, private corporation that's holding people in ICE units, punishing them for the policies that America does on the regular. Bobby? Yeah, I think also if you look up in the sky, there's a helicopter for like every four blocks radius, especially if you're in South LA area. They've been doing pedestrian checkpoints on Crenshaw Boulevard for THC. I don't even know how you check for THC, but yeah. And so like you have this sort of direct militarization on the people and giving so much more power to the police. And, you know, when you think about it, it's also when you talk about fascism, it's the compliance of the people. And so there's like, I don't know, have you guys seen in downtown, um, they have like those surveillance blue van wagons that sometimes they're on like 7th Street or it's on Figueroa and it just says LAPD surveillance unit. Um, And it's just sitting there. And I don't know what it does other than like, I'm assuming there's some guys in there with headphones eavesdropping to people's conversations as they walk by, who knows. But like that just stays there and they continue to do things like that so we can just become like used to it. And so, yeah, I feel like part of having a fascist society is having like the compliance of the populace who's not really going to do anything about it or say anything. Right. Normalizing that very oppression, it becomes so normalized like with these gang injunctions and... I mean, paying money <laughs> to survive like is like an interestingly normalized condition that this colonizer has bestowed upon people. Who do you think benefits from fascism? Like, who are the people that actually benefit from fascism? Corporate elite. Some of these individuals, like, uh, who's making money off of, say, the Metro Red Line tickets, making sure that that's being enforced. A lot of banks, I feel, 
benefits from like the fascism. If you can't pay for your home and you miss your mortgage and the sheriffs come to kick you out, isn't that fascism? Yeah, basically. I would say that historically who benefits from really every everything. I mean like you have you have the founding fathers that came in from like Europe, from Britain and they were responsible for so much genocide and they created their entire society based off of their beliefs and literally taught the indigenous people to forget their culture as well as, you know, kidnapped people from Africa and brought them here and also forced them to go to these kind of like schools or indoctrination mills, as some would call them, and forget their history and forget who they were and why they're born into bondage. And like, yeah, there was some progression made, but like this reality of who's benefiting from these kind of restrictions are the people with the most amounts of privileges thus far. And that would be like straight, heterosexual, cisgendered males in this country. And that says a lot about where we are in terms of like who's making all of these laws and who's lobbying for changes in policy that don't really, these changes only restrict a lot of the marginalized identities, social categories that aren't white male, cisgendered, heterosexual men. I'm going to go in progressive stack to Anthony. As far as who benefits, I think I can make a sort of tie-in with fascism as like a form of hierarchy in that the leaders of a fascist country are usually the ones who benefit. Um, For me, the military, the military industrial complex is a huge benefactor of American fascism. Uh, Any sort of industrial power that is influencing change in the war or the war effort, those people are making money off of the war or the war effort. So they are benefiting from the war. That's fascism. Those industrial powers are benefiting from our people, basically. There are people who are in the military who then have to leave the military. And where are the benefits that they were promised? You know, where are the benefits that they were like, oh, if you do this tour, you know, you'll have all this housing, you'll have all this health care, you'll have all this school. Half of that stuff isn't even given to those people. And yeah, like like Eddie's saying, like who really benefits from that situation that we put ourselves in? It's the economic and industrial elite of those industrial complexes. Another benefactor of American fascism, I feel like, are religious leaders. Historically, the Catholic Church has had enough money to commission art and artists to make art and art and sculpture and everything like that. Mm. That's because they have so much money to do that with (laughs) that where do they get that money from? They get that money from oppressing other groups. You know, they get that money by taking it, by stealing it. So I think if we look at American fascism and kind of comparing and contrasting it to other forms of fascism, we can see that people who benefit from fascism in America are very similar, use a lot of similar tactics to people who benefit from fascism in other countries as well. Mm -hmm. And just to add, like, I would say that it completely relies upon oppression. You can't have privilege without the opposite end oppression. But we're going to take a short break. You are listening to On Resistance Radio Collective. 